Chapter Seven of the Confessions of a Poacher, edited by John Watson, Fellow of the Linnean Society. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Salmon and Trout Poaching. Flashes the blood red gleam over the midnight slaughter. Wild shadows haunt the stream. Dark forms glance o'er the water. It is the leasterer's cry, a salmon, ho, ho, ho. In scales of light, the creature bright is glimmering below. Most country poachers begin by loving nature and end by hating the game laws. Whilst many a man is willing to recognise property in hares and pheasants, there are few who will do so with regard to salmon and trout. And this is why fish poachers have always swarmed. A sea salmon is in the domain of the whole world one day, in a trickling runner among the hills the next. Yesterday it belonged to anybody, and the poacher, rightly or wrongly, thinks it belongs to him if only he can snatch it. There are few fish poachers who in their time have not been anglers, and anglers are of two kinds. There are those who fish fair, and those who fish foul. The first set are philosophical and cultivate patience. The second are predatory and catch fish, fairly if they can, but they catch fish. Just as red wings and field fares constitute the first game of young gunners, so the loach, the minnow and the stickleback are the prey of the young poacher. If these things are small, they are by no means to be despised, for there is a tide in the affairs of men when these small fry of the waters afford as much sport on their pebbly shallows as do the silvery-sided salmon in the pools of Strath's Bay. As yet there is no knowledge of gaff or click-hook, only of a willow wand, a bit of string, and a crooked pin. The average country urchin has always a considerable dash of the savage in his composition, and this first comes out in relation to fish rather than fowl. See him during summer, as he wantons in the stream like a dace. Watch where his brown legs carry him. Observe his stealthy movements as he raises the likely stones. And note the primitive poaching weapon in his hand. That old pronged fork is every whit as formidable to the loach and bullhead as is the lister of the man-poacher to salmon and trout, and the wader uses it almost as skilfully. He has a bottle on the bank, and into this he pours the fish unhurt, which he captures with his hands. Examine his aquarium, and hidden among the weeds you will find three or four species of small fry. The loach, the minnow and the bullhead are sure to be there, with perhaps a tiny stickleback, 
and somewhere, outside the bottle, stuffed in cap or breeches pocket, crayfish of every age and size. During a long life I have watched the process, and this is the stuff out of which fish poachers are made. It is part of the wisdom of nature's economy that when furred and feathered game is out, fish are in. It might be thought that poachers would recognise neither times nor seasons, but this is a mistake. During fence time, game is nearly worthless, and then the prospective penalties of poaching out of season have to be taken into account. Fish poaching is practised nonetheless for the high preservation and strict watching which so much prevails nowadays. It seems even to have grown with them. In outlying country towns with salmon and trout streams in the vicinity, poaching is carried on to an almost incredible extent. There are men who live by it, and women to whom it constitutes a thriving trade. The otter, more thrifty than the rest of us, has purchased a cottage with the proceeds of his poaching, and I know four or five families who live by it. Whilst our class provide the chief business of the country police courts, and is a great source of profit to the local fish and game dealer, there is quite another and a pleasanter side to the picture. But this later. The wary poacher never starts for the fishing ground without having first his customer, and it is surprising with what lax code of morals the provincial public will deal when the silent night worker is one to the bargain. Of course, the public always gets cheap fish and fresh fish, so fresh indeed that sometimes the life has hardly gone out of it. It is a perfectly easy matter to provide fish, and the only difficulty lies in conveying it into the towns and villages. I never knew but what I might be met by some county constable, and consequently never carried game upon me. This I secreted in stack, rick, or disused farm building, until such time as it could be safely fetched. Country carriers, early morning milk carts, and women are all employed in getting the halls into town. In this, Women are by far the most successful. Sometimes they are seen labouring under a heavy load carried in a sack, with faggots and rotten sticks protruding from the mouth, or again with a large basket innocently covered with crisp green cresses, which effectually hide the bright silvery fish beneath. Our methods of fish poaching are many. As we work silently and in the night, the chances of success are all in our favour. We walk much by the streamside during the day, and take mental notes of men and fish. We know the beats of the watchers, and have the waterside by heart. 
long use has accustomed us to work as well in the dark as in the light and this is essential during summer when the water is low the fish congregate in deep dubs this they do for protection and here if overhung by trees there is always abundance of food whenever it was our intention to net a dub we carefully examined every inch of its bottom beforehand if it had been thorned every thorn was carefully removed small thorn bushes with stones attached and thrown in by the watchers to entangle nets of course fish poaching can never be tackled single-handed in long netting the net is dragged by a man on each side a third wading after to lift it over the stakes and to prevent the fish from escaping when the end of the pool is reached the salmon and trout are simply drawn out upon the pebbles this is repeated through the night until half a dozen pools are netted probably depopulated of their fish netting of this description is a wholesale method of capture always supposing that we are allowed our own time it requires to be done slowly however as if alarmed we can do nothing but abandon the net this is necessarily large and when thoroughly wet is cumbersome and exceedingly heavy the loss of one of our large nets was a serious matter not only in time but money for narrow streams a narrow net is used this being attached to two poles it is better to cut the poles of ash only when required as they are awkward objects to carry the method of working the pod net is the same in principle as the last the older fish poachers rarely go in for poisoning this is a cowardly method and kills everything both great and small for miles downstream chloride of lime is the agent mostly used as it does not injure the edible parts the lime is thrown into the river where fish are known to lie and its deadly influence is soon seen the fish weakened and poisoned float belly uppermost this at once renders them conspicuous and they are simply lifted out of the water in a landing net salmon and trout which come by their death in this way have the usually pink parts of a dull white with the eyes and gill covers of the same colour and covered with a fine white film this substance is much used in mills on the banks of trout streams and probably more fish are poached by this kind of pollution in a month than the most inveterate moucher will kill in a year it is only poachers of the old school that are careful to observe close times and they do their work mostly in summer many of the younger and more desperate hands however do really serious business when the fish are out of season 
when salmon and trout are spawning, their senses seem to become dulled, and then they are not difficult to approach in the water. They seek the highest reaches to spawn, and stay for a considerable time on the spawning beds. A salmon offers a fair mark, and these are obtained by spearing. The pronged salmon spear is driven into the fleshy shoulders of the fish, when it is hauled out onto the bank. In this way, I have often killed more fish in a single day than I could possibly carry home, even when there was little or no chance of detection. There is only one practicable way of carrying a big salmon across country on a dark night, and that is by hanging it round one's neck and steadying it in front. I have left tons of fish behind when chased by the watchers. As of all things, they are the most difficult to carry. The best water bailiffs are those who are least seen, or who watch from a distance. So as to save sudden surprise, and to give timely warning of the approach of watchers, one of the poaching party should always command the land from a treetop. The flesh of spawning fish is loose and watery, insipid and tasteless, and rarely brings more than a few pence per pound. In an outlying hamlet known to me, poached salmon, during last close time, was so common that the cottagers fed their poultry upon it through the winter. Several fish were killed, each over twenty pounds in weight. Then netting, another way of securing salmon and trout from the spawning reds, is by click hooks. These are simply large salmon hooks bound shaft to shaft and attached to a long cord. A bit of lead balances them and adds weight. These are used in the dubs, when spearing by wading is impracticable. When a salmon is seen, the hooks are simply thrown beyond it, then gently dragged until they come immediately beneath, when a sharp click sends them into the soft underparts of the fish, which is then dragged out. As the pike which is one of nature's poachers, is injurious to our interests as well as those of the angler, we never miss an opportunity of treating him in the same summary manner. Of course, poaching with click-hooks requires to be done during the day, or by the aid of an artificial light. Light attracts salmon just as it attracts birds, and tar brands are frequently used by poachers. A good, rough bull's-eye lantern, to aid in spearing, can be made from a disused salmon canister. A circular hole should be made in the side, and a bit of material tied over to hide the light when not in use. Shooting is sometimes resorted to, but for this class of poaching, the habits and beats of the water bailiffs require to be accurately known. The method has the advantage of quickness, and a gun in skilful hands and at short distance 
may be used without injuring the fleshy parts of the fish that deadly bait salmon roe is now rarely used the method of preparing it being unknown to the younger generation it can however be used with deadly effect although both ourselves and our nets were occasionally captured the watchers generally found this a difficult matter in approaching our fishing grounds we did not mind going sinuously and snake-like through the wet meadows and as i have said our nets were rarely kept at home these were secreted in stone heaps and among bushes in close proximity to where we intended to use them were they kept at home the obtaining of a search warrant by the police or local angling association would always render their custody a critical business when upon any rare occasion the nets were kept at home it was only for a short period and when about to be used sometimes though rarely the police have discovered them secreted in the chimney between bed and mattress or in one case wound about the portly person of a poacher's wife as i have already said the women are not always simply aiders and abettors but in the actual poaching sometimes play an important part they have frequently been taken red-handed by the watchers mention of the water bailiffs reminds me that i must say a word of them too their profession is a hard one harder by far than the poachers they work at night and require to be most on the alert during rough and wet weather especially in winter when fish are spawning sometimes they must remain still for hours in freezing clothes and even in summer not unfrequently lie all night in dank and wet herbage they see the night side of nature and many of them are as good naturalists as the poachers if a lapwing gets up and screams in the darkness the cleverer of them know how to interpret the sound as also a hare rushing wildly past i must add however that it is in the nature of things that at all points the fish poacher is cleverer and of readier wit than the river watcher looking back it does not seem long since county constables first became an institution in this part of the country i remember an amusing incident connected with one of them who was evidently a stranger to many of the phases of woodcraft we had been netting a deep dub just below a stone bridge and were about to land a splendid haul looking up a constable was watching our operations in an interested sort of way and for a moment we thought we were fairly caught just as we were about to abandon the net and make off through the wood the man spoke in an instant i saw how matters stood he failed to grasp the situation 
even came down and helped us to draw the net onto the bank. In thanking us for a silvery five-pound salmon we gave him, he spoke with a southern accent, and I supposed that poachers and poaching were subjects that had never entered into his philosophy. End of chapter 7